Yeah, well, it's, you know, that's what self-realization is. So it's not something easily achieved, but to add to that, it's not something easily conceived. Hmm? So theoretical knowledge, hmm? there's theoretical sambandha, and then there's realized sambandha. Hmm? And um, generally, the latter follows the former. So a good dose of, a, of, of a theoretical conceptual orientation to the notion that we are very different from what we think we are in a way that it at first appears less. You mean I'm not this, that, this, that, and, and, all, and all these things that I, that I think I am, but properly understood um, speaks of how much more you are and what the limitations of the natural world, the objective world are, and so forth. So the point is simply that it, it, such topics, this is the 101 of Krishna consciousness, the difference between matter and consciousness. It's where all schools of, of spirituality that are worth listening to, that are ego-effacing, hmm? um, where most of them end, and it's where Gaudiya Vaishnavism kind of picks up where where that leaves off, um, but it, it's a it's a, a landing uh, spot where where we have, to, we have to come to to really uh, fully appreciate the what is the what is to go from there. What is the consciousness of consciousness? This is like Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's a very that's a very extraordinary idea. So to go from identifying as a, a member or constituent, a part of, constructed out of matter to I'm consciousness is the first step. And of course, we do it in concert with pursuing the latter step. Hmm? The best way to arrive there at that interim spot, I'm consciousness, not matter, is through contemplating that I have a prospect to be um, everything that a unit of consciousness can be in connection with bhakti. So we have I am American, or whatever. We get rid of that to I am, to I am a gopi. Hmm? That's the other side. So bhakti, Mahaprabhu's bhakti, is about pursuing that, that latter understanding, and in the context of that, dissolving the I am this or I am that. Hmm? And um, in the context of that, then it's, it's it's worth talking about the I, I am, so anyway we're doing that. But the the point is, I guess that that it it's difficult enough to understand it theoretically. Just to talk about it, if you, if you find some resonance with the idea, but it's just like it's kind of it it just doesn't fit. Yeah, it doesn't fit because we were identified with matter. But there's a by speaking about it by hearing about it from advanced devotees, then it's very compelling. The idea is very compelling, and, 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 and nothing compares with it. And so that should um, provide the kind of impetus to then embrace the practices that will enable you to realize that, which is you know, what our, our sadhana bhakti is, is about. So um, uh, there's no like silver bullet, if you will, to accelerate the you know the realization, but theoretical understanding and 
going over that from different angles of vision and ways of talking about it, they, um, that's what Sambandagyan is. That's why Bhaktivinoda Thakur was concerned um, a century plus past. You know, you find this emphasis on siksha sometimes that devotees talk about. Hmm? Oftentimes it's a very misunderstood emphasis that they have on siksha, more important than diksha or whatnot. Where this really comes from largely is the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur when many people were initiated hmm? But the initiators themselves didn't have some bandhagyan. They were in a lineage that had been traced back to the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but the understanding of what that was about had been lost to a large extent, and so they were giving, selling, more or less, making a living out of giving diksha, many people. And people were getting the diksha, but they, they weren't getting any some bandhagyan, and so they... Bhaktivinotaka made the point repeatedly, without the Sambandagyan, the chanting, we see practically, is not going to be very effective. So he means their theoretical knowledge. Hmm? Excuse me. So they were emphasizing this again and again and again. Hmm? It's not the diksha is not important. If the the siksha is the watering, then the diksha is the seed. Well, which one is more important? (laughs) You have to have both, right? Hmm? So, at any rate, um, the, uh, the the siksha gives us a, repeatedly and from different angles a conceptual orientation to the very idea that we are consciousness, not matter, and we have a prospect in the world of consciousness that's, that's very high hmm? by the grace of Mahaprabhu, the likes of which has not been talked about elsewhere. The, the, his dispensation is anarpitacharim charat kurunayabhatinakulo. It's very rare opportunity. So that's also that's that's very compelling way which Krishnadas has done to talk about the prospect that's come before you that that will energize you and and um, and um, drive you to you know to embrace the uh, the practices that will result in that um, realization. So I just think in a repeated, and as I say, from different angles, um, uh, hearing about hmm, and learning some of the language and whatnot. And so and, I, and I like to talk about that particular point, the difference between consciousness and matter, in a contemporary sense, in terms of arguments about the issue in modern times. Which is not something that Prabhupada did or Bhaktivinoda Thakur did because the times are different. As I was just speaking with dear uh, Pranada here earlier uh, for, for, for a few minutes, the subject of consciousness, she was saying, it's, it's, it's like there's a lot of people talking about that. There are books on science and consciousness. It didn't used to be like that, not even 20, 30 years ago. The interest of science and consciousness is, 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 um, is, is, is new. It, it's just, it's, they went inside the atom hmm, to get away from consciousness, really. Mechanistic worldview from Newton, for example, from that time, said the world is a machine. Hmm, and uh, it's just made of certain parts, and uh, it just works mechanically like, like a clock, like a clock, like a machine. Hmm. And um, there's nothing from outside of matter that's required or is present to make the whole thing work. Hmm? 
that's when Christianity among in the scientific community, Christians in the science scientific community started to become deists. Instead of Christians, deists is like God made the world, that's it, and he stepped back and he's not doing anything because we can't find trace his influence. Hmm? You know, there's electromagnetic force, there's gravitational force, there's strong and weak nuclear forces, and and we figured out the world, so to speak, was was the idea. So the 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 idea of consciousness, just like, well, there's no point in even talking about it. You know, we don't know what it is, but we don't have to. You know, we know what the world is. But as they went deeper into the atom, they they found themselves looking at themselves, so to speak. Hmm? And and so the, the the shift from the quantum, you know, to the quantum. And I'm not a scientist here. I just pick it up here and there and say, as I need to. But the shift from the Newtonian kind of worldview of the of matter to the quantum worldview, Einstein resisted it considerably. He fought against it. He just he thought everything goes up in the air if we go in that direction, and that's the direction it goes. <laughs> Our whole thinking about the natural world gets shaken up, and people still resist that today in the scientific community, and strongly remain attached to some, in some respects, to the Newtonian worldview. Because the more you go in that direction, it's it's more one from a materialistic, mechanistic, physicalist, naturalist perspective, the more unsettling it becomes. Because the less you've got figured out, the less you know. You don't know. It's fine. You don't know anything. So, as as a result of this, in one sense, consciousness has become a topic in the scientific community. It's a, it's a hot topic. Hmm? But the topic is, the, the focus is to try to explain consciousness in terms of matter. Hmm? So that we can, you know, okay, let's let's stop, you know, the supernaturalism and, you know, let's not let things get out of hand here. And we've got it all figured out. Okay, this is just one little thing that we haven't figured out, so we have to talk about it. Okay, let's talk about it. But the more they talk about it, that's what, when you go from the word materialism to physicalism to naturalism, what's happening, these are scientific terms, hmm, to say that the world is just matter and forces. And what's happening is the terms are slightly bigger. They're expanding. Hmm? They're uh, materialism, and you've got to have forces, Physicalism and and, uh, and, 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 and so the the, <laughs> the idea is stretching and it's and it's trying to fit in one sense consciousness in a little bit somehow more and so so there are all types of um, books out there now that try to really like uh, the, one of the famous ones in more recent times was a book by Daniel Dennett Consciousness Explained. Hmm? And uh, basically, he explained, it's just an illusion. It's just the opposite of what we teach. Consciousness is an illusion. It appears for, you know, consciousness, by consciousness, he means a certain thing. He means partially what we're talking about. But the entirety of what we're talking about, he doesn't even address. Hmm? Um, even his contemporaries in the scientific community said, consciousness explained, consciousness not explained, is, should be the title to your book. Or, or hmm? consciousness explained Ex away. Explained away. Consciousness explained away. Um, so it's a problem. Hmm? Themselves, people themselves, their own sense of self, which is the basis of our whole existence and why we do things and and so forth, is a problem from, from a mechanistic, physicalist, naturalist 
worldview, and that worldview is a metaphysical worldview. It's not a worldview. It's a hypothesis. Naturalism, for example, materialism is a hypothesis. It's not even a theory. You go from a hypothesis to a theory. A theory like works on different levels in, 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 in relation to other sciences and so forth. And so it's like uh, more developed, more, there's more support for it. It's just a hypothesis that, um, and it's a shocking one. Then, hmm. then again, it's been around since the time of, of um, you know, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Hume and people like this, they they, they posited these kinds of ideas, but uh, now they call it some the shocking new um, um, idea that, uh, that that in my terms again it's a kind of. Uh, well, the lights are on, but nobody's home. There's nobody there. There's no self. There's no. And it's interesting because we'll we can we can, there's a place where we can meet them and go. Yes, you're right. You're the whole and the whole sense of self that they're talking about is the false ego. Hmm? It's all uh, you know. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's 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 material. We can agree to some extent. So we have a, a kind of an interesting, unique position to something to offer. But it's 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 useful, I think, to talk about the simple idea that you're not the body, for example, which was to us in the '60s, we're like, wow, that's cool. But it's like a mantra, you know, you're not the body, and it was like, ah, oh, okay. Uh, just like we're talking about it now, okay, a consciousness on this and that. So. Um, by talking about it in contemporary circles, and I, I think it it it, it can, tends to hit home more because even if you don't read those books, you're in an environment in the world where there are currents of thought that inevitably you, you become influenced by, affected by, knowingly or unknowingly. So anyway, theoretical knowledge, talking about it, is is what'll help us, I think, to to then if it can be done in a way not just for intellectual exercise, but in a way that will be compelling enough to foster the kind of embrace of the practices of tr what we call tr I call trans-rational practices. Pra practices that are reasonable in that they pick up where reason leaves off. They can do for you what reason cannot. They're not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable to conclude, as we do, that consciousness is different from matter. And if it is, then, and we are consciousness, then we will not be known by matter. But we will not be known by reason. Hmm? Do you understand? Consciousness transcends reason, so reason a candle can't shed light on the sun. Hmm? Candles reason is a little bit of light, but hmm, it has to be lit. <laughs> and uh, consciousness is self self luminous. So it's reasonable to conclude that. And then having concluded that, it's reasonable to posit that we should embrace exercises that are transrational, that pick up where reasoning leaves off. And that's the chanting. It's not a rational exercise, but neither is, is it irrational to chant. Hmm? Hmm? It says to us that there's a limit to reasoning, and we want to use reasoning to its limits. Hmm? And, and we don't want to be used by intellect. We want to use it to its limits for our purposes. So we reason as to why we should practice, and then we embrace a practice that picks up where reasoning leaves off and gives us an experience of that which 
doesn't answer to reason. That's why it's difficult to talk about. It it cannot be adequately discussed uh, in words. So like it's always like I kind of got it. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, uh, that's the nature of our ideal. Hmm? Whether it be the soul, Bhagwan is Lila. It's all transcendent to thought, to reason, to intellect. And here we are left with thought, reason, intellect, language to talk about it. So as best we can, we do in such a way that we will derive from such impetus to embrace fully practices that pick up where reason leaves off. And we need to do that because there's a lot of people reason like, why are you doing that? Hare Krishna, why are you chanting? Why are you doing all this? This is very radical what we do. Our lifestyle is very different from the rest of the world. We're quite revolutionary if you, you know, think about it. You know, there was an attempt... by um, Ramaswar, from my dear friend, years ago in Los Angeles, he he, he uh, put together a, a magazine called "Who Are They?" You remember? You ever see that? It's a picture of one lady devotee who's a model, posing with another guy who's not her husband, but like they're the husband on the cover, and it's they're oh, I don't know they're holding hands or something, and she's wearing a you know a sari or something. Who are they? And um, and uh, the the idea behind it was to kind of say, like, we're just like everybody else, but we chant Hare Krishna, you know? It's okay to be Hare Krishna. We're normal. Hmm? Well, he had printed so many of those, and he had Agni Dave, who was that time the president of the Laguna Beach Temple, put one on every door in the Laguna city of Laguna Beach. Probably, Agni told me he personally, along with the devotees in the temple, saw that every house got one of those. Who are they? Hmm? And they got, you know how many responses they got? Zero. Hmm? So I don't think it's that useful, is what I'm saying. You know, it's worth, it's worth trying anything. So I don't fault him for the, you know, for the strategy. But you have to look at the results. Why try to say that we're like, you know, we're just like you. We're not. We're different. And it's okay to be different. And in fact, it's cool. And and you are very different than what you think you are. And And, and this then keeps the kind of revolutionary edge, uh, uh, keeps us on the revolutionary edge rather than on a re- kind of like, like a religious edge, which is like, okay, I got all the answers. I wanted to know the answer. I wanted to know the meaning of life. Now I know the meaning of life. Now I'll just get on with my life. You know, no. <laughs> the, the, the pressing you know, uh, sensibility, I need to know why I am. Then you get... Good answers from Vedanta, from Gaudi Vedanta. Hmm? Then you have to, you can't just settle in and say, have those answers to regurgitate when everybody else asks the question, but you don't really apply them in your life, and therefore your kids don't do it either. Hmm? And they think, oh yeah, she talks about that stuff, but but they don't do it, you know, or whatever. So you, 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 you want to keep the devotees on kind of like a cutting edge of like, you know, we're different, and it's okay, and we've got something valuable to contribute, and and it's true. We're very different from matter, and, and in that, we're very different also in our understanding of what the prospect of consciousness is from other forms of Vedanta, whether it be the Vaishnava forms of Vedanta, Shishtadvaita, Dvaitavad, Shuddhadvaita, Dvaitadvaita, or the, much different than Advaita Vedanta. And uh, we have much to say about it. And it's this is a very compelling, relevant exciting topic. Hmm? 
who are they? Yeah, well, that is the right question. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, the approach was, we're just like you. No, we're different, I would say, you know. Who are you? Hmm. Maybe that would have got a response. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like I've said before, the most popular word in every language is I. Hmm? It's the word used most, the word what we talk most about, that which we love the most, and that which we know the least. What is I? And it's always with you. You can never get rid of it. I. Hmm? Everything else can come and go, but, but I cannot come and go. Do you understand? This is another way of just making the point. What is the I? Hmm? Everything else, every other word can go, but that, that can't leave. If that leaves, there are no other words. Hmm. Rudrani? Well, um, on, on this point, I will make a question. Um, I was thinking about how many people would be interested in going through all these intellectual discovery and analysis of I don't know that there are lots of people that have to be involved. What would be the alternative for those people besides these intellectual people? Well, to be honest with you, I think that um, I think that um, while there are means to reach out to people who are not interested in the subject of who am I, which doesn't say a lot for the human uh, dress, because the human dress, is, this is where the question arises, who am I, why am I? Hmm? Um, so there are people that have ignored that and absorbed themselves in sense indulgence and so on and so forth, but I think all of us here are attracted to that idea. That's, and then Prabhupada, for example, started there, you're not the body, as I said. Hmm? And I'm not saying anything different than that. And um, just we're just playing out and developing it. But while there are means to attract people, if you will, without having to bring them into such an intellectual discussion, the extent to which that they will be involved and really participating meaningfully hmm, will um, be dependent to some extent on the extent to which they do become interested in such and pursue answers and start to identify with these types of thoughts and so forth. That's my whole point in one sense that without some again, the chanting will not be that useful. So we can just get let's just get let's just get everybody to chant and not like, you know, trouble them with the, all these things. But they have intelligence. Their intelligence needs to be applied. Hmm? They need some again. They need to think, I'm not the body. What does that mean? Hmm? And they need to chant and take prashadam and so forth. So I don't, I don't think Prabhupada wrote, you know, whatever he used to say, 60 books, you know, because he thought, um, and he wanted to contact the masses at the same time. Of course, at other times he said, we don't need the masses, we just need the classes or something or a uh, certain class of people. But um, I, would, I would be um, reluctant to, to, to think about it kind of along those lines as if, well, this just seems like over like, uh, you know, hard to talk about, think about stuff, and, you know, it's hard for me, too, to speak of other people, and I've been around for a while, and can't we just involve them all, and so forth. I mean, it is a heady thing. This is enlightenment we're talking about. Self-realization, it's not for everybody now. 
मनुष्याणम सहास्रेशु कस्चिदतति सिद्धये यतथामपि सिद्धानाम कस्चिन मामवेति तत्वतः तो यू वांट ऑल काइंड्स ऑफ पीपल रनिंग अराउंड डोडीज एंड सारीज दैट डोंट नो द डिफरेंस बिटवीन द बॉडी एंड द सोल एंड एंड दैट बिकम्स अनदर प्रॉब्लम एंड यू गॉट टू प्रीच ऑन अनदर लेवल यू नो वी हैव दैट प्रॉब्लम एक्चुअली वी हैव दैट प्रॉब्लम दैट्स व्हाट द सेक्टेरियनिज्म इज अबाउट इट्स दे डोंट नो द डिफरेंस बिटवीन द बॉडी एंड द सोल इट्स अ इट्स अ प्रॉब्लम that that's uh, an example of it so it does need to be emphasized it is a heady thing i mean chetana charitamrita it's a heady book bhagavatam it's a heady book the gita which is a, a beginning book it uh, it requires um that people think hmm, um differently hmm? and at the same time i mean it's it it is it, it it's um um of course I would say that in answer to your question also the best way to inspire people is is by our example but what will happen by your example without having to teach them anything or tell them anything is they'll become interested in what makes you tick and they have that that teachable moment and then then what are you going to what is the first thing that you tell people in Krishna consciousness i mean basically you start to tell them about reincarnation if they don't know anything they should be a vegetarian i mean immediately you start the these things seem like oh yeah reincarnation that's real basic i mean for some people it's just like whoa you know i'm not the body reincarnation it's like off the map kind of topics and so forth you know but that is kind of the entry that is brahma jignasu so do we want to give him dharma jignasu no hmm. we and 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 what gives one eligibility to make inquiry into brahman into rasa rasa jignasu brahma jignasu brahman is ultimately rasa rasa vaisa what gives one eligibility in the ordinary course it's thought first there's dharma jignasu then there's brahma jignasu but even adi shankar says balde echoes him of course as well in his govindabasha that by sadhu sanga you can have eligibility for inquiring about brahman even if you haven't gone through the course of religion of the purvam mamsa of, of the barnashram and all such such uh, um adherence to moral life and so forth so that's our good fortune we've had sadhu sangha so we are interested in that i'm not the body and more hmm? much more so i mean where where are you going to begin i mean you can yes you can give people prasadam you can say just chant but then just chanting without classes i was in hawaii sometime back years ago and I remember this I've said it said it before some of you may have heard but I was invited to an all night kirtan I said wow I said well, okay I said is there any room for giving a, a talk oh no we don't allow any talks just chanting all night so I didn't I didn't go <laughs> uh, and then I found out that they were um chanting and not talking but smoking in between or whatever they had to augmented their chanting experience first anyway so uh no the talking is very important the philosophy is very important proper was so intent on that i wrote so many books they should be read and so forth and this is just, we're talking about it in a little bit of a sophisticated way obviously you know and we're saying that the our current intellectual streams of thought my you have to understand my preoccupation is i want to i want to i want to speak about this in a way that's intellectually has credibility amongst people who are 
way more educated than me, hmm? which was Prabhupada's ideal too, because they thought, well, then, then that'll filter down to the masses. So if you want to get the masses, get the small group that's controlling the masses. Hmm? It may look like, well, Swami, you're talking, you know, on this level like this, but what about, you know, um, uh, you know, Robert Whiteside, who, you know, goes to the Baptist church and, and invited us to come to his church next week. How can we make him a devotee? You know, okay, well, we were trying, but I could make a policy for that or you only have so much time, right? If you can present it in a credible way that has intellectual integrity amongst educated people, this idea, hmm? that was Prabhupada's view. And then, then it will filter down to everybody else. So I'm not against the group masses, the wide distribution, but this is really what happens, you see. You're right. The mass of people aren't interested in, in, on, this, on a certain level of discussion. Hmm? And therefore, who's ever got the microphone, that's the way they go. Hmm? You understand? That's the way they will go. Hmm? Therefore, you could talk to people who don't know what they're talking about, but they think they know everything that they think, what are you talking about? You're not the body. You know, that's crazy. Science has proved that consciousness is just matter. Hmm? Uh, Agni's son told him that. There's no difference between the mind and the brain, Dad. You know, well, let's play that out for a minute, son. You know? And what does it mean that I'm your dad? We're just like atoms, you know, bouncing up against one another. And what's with all these feelings, you know, dad, son? They, they have the, they're just like, if you want to say there's no difference between the brain and the mind, then you're saying we're just a brain. Hmm? And what's the meaning of dad? Hmm? That's just a made-up thing. If you want to get on a case of made-up things, then, then do away with that. Why, why, why only religion? Why not all these other feelings? And say all these feelings are illusory. They're all false. Hmm? Religion is just one of those feelings. So, but the feelings, uh, you know, I love you, mom. You know, so, so, <laughs> so yeah. Um. Yeah, there is room for everything. That's what I'm saying is that that if you can get the microphone. Hmm? Then, 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 if people say, just like Johnny Mitchell's song, you know, I, I saw the, uh, the, what does it go? How's it go? That one, uh, uh, for free. Yeah, she's talking about the guy who's playing on the street for free, and he was playing real good for free. Um, you know, she's a paid musician and so forth, and people walked right by him because he he'd never been on the TV, hmm? but he was playing real good for free. Hmm? So if you're not on the TV, you know, this is what the mass is, in other words. This is the whole thing. Who's, you know, who's ever on the TV? Who cares? I mean, in one sense, what, you know, somebody put under their armpit today, you know, and it's on, and it's on the news because she's, you know, <laughs> you know, whoever, you know, a human being, you know, a confused human being, but because she's on the TV. So this is where the masses are at. So if you really want to get to the everybody, <laughs> then you got to get, you know, in a position where where of authority, so to speak, that everybody just listens to. They don't really listen. They just go, okay, the TV's, he's on TV, so it must be, must be right. You know, must be right. Okay. Then they don't think about it. And then if it feels good, then they, they do it. So the masses of people, you don't expect to explain everything to them and convince them. But if you get the microphone and you're in a credible position from 
from the worldly point of view, intellectual point of view, let's say, then they will come on your side. So that's the that's the trick to get everybody. That's the kind of same principle. So if you can change the the uh, overall tenor of understanding, then people will fall into that. Yeah. Yeah. You had a question? Comment? Um, did you see recently that the Nobel Prize was given to two scientists to posit that um, there is an ocean of energy out there? I didn't see that. No, interesting. It's been given a Nobel Prize for this. Mm -hmm. So, um, physics? <laughs> I don't know what, you know, but that, that that's what the New York Times headline was, that they're saying there's an ocean of energy, and because they've made this hypothesis, they received the Nobel Prize. I'd like to look into that. Yeah, I was wondering if you had, and, um, but in thinking of, I, I laughed when I saw that, and then I, and I thought, well, I mean, consciousness is energy, and um, do you think of presenting um, consciousness in, along those lines? Have you done that? Do you think about that? Well, you know, words have to be defined. So um, energy is a word that, that could be defined in many different ways. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of matter, the way the um, materialistic uh, scientific community explains it. There's matter and there's energy and there's nothing. Matter's not spiritual. So you may think of energy, and you may be thinking of shakti and spiritual, and they may have very different ideas. So you really have to um, define your terms. And so it would be interesting to see when they say they won a Nobel Prize because they've posited that there's or, or demonstrated whatever there's an ocean of energy. Well, what is meant by energy? Dark energy, dark matter. You know. So I don't, I don't know um, offhand hmm, uh, whether. I mean, offhand, yeah, I would say that you have to define your your, your terms, and you have, you'd have to look have to look at that. Uh, I'll be interested if you send me a link, uh, look at that, and I comment on it for you. Hmm. One second, Dual. But um, um, I, I mean, I'll say something else too. And that, and with years and years ago, when I was living in a van and, and selling Prabhupada's books, I um, I got. Um, from Dristadunna Maharaj, uh, who was Dristadunna Maharaj at the time, he gave me a copy of, of uh, I think it was uh, National Geographic, and it had a whole issue on science and its developments and so forth. Uh, and so, um, I mean, I have no education. You know, I barely got out of high school, and um, I mean, officially. And so uh, I knew that Prabhupada was interested in science, you know, because he would talk about it, right? Hmm? I mean, I didn't know anything about physics or science was was like my worst subject in high school. Chemistry, I hated that. I just hated that. Um, so, you know, Prabhupada's talking about science. So the other devotee hands me this thing about science. I'm, I couldn't make heads or tails out of it at the time, you know. But I thought, I'll send it to Prabhupada, because he's always talking about science. And so he'll, you know, he'll be interested to see what the current, you know, themes are and so forth. So there I go. So it was really, really what it was about for me was an excuse to write to Prabhupada. Because mm -hmm. I knew I had to get a letter back, you know, and, <laughs> and so forth. So 
I write the short letter. Prabhupada, I'm traveling in a van. I've got my little Gornatite deities that you gave me. And, uh, and um, you know, we're distributing books here and there and this and that. And I've enclosed a copy of the recent National Geographic with the whole centerfold about the current trends of modern science and so on and so forth. Because, you know, I know you're interested in that. So Prabhupada writes back and he says, it's very good that you're traveling in a van and doing... Uh, book distribution and send kirtan everything will come from that and your divine your ever well wisher you know with his divine grace ac bhaktivedanta swami Prabhupada. and then in his own handwriting besides the type letter down below he he made a little asterisk he said the magazine colon it is overly materialistic <laughs> so I thought I'd just stay in this band, you know, chant Hare Krishna, take Prashad, everything will come. That's a fact. So that you know that 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 side is 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 there. But you, know, you have to take some. If you're put put into a corner, and you have to take some position as a leader, which is very uncomfortable for a Vaishnav. Uh, then uh, you know, sometimes it may, it may be necessary to speak in ways that will 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 give and demonstrate that Gaudi Vaishnavism has intellectual integrity. Like your husband, Dristaprabhu, gave a talk, wasn't it, to the scientists, 50 scientists or something? Yeah, we uh, always invited the uh, yeah. physics professors at the uh, yeah. uh, University of North Carolina State. It's actually Bill, Bill Robinson at Rain. Yeah. And I was sitting with um, two Christian ministers. One was like a social liberal, and the other was like very conservative, a conservative Catholic theologian who was, who was, who was very, um, he didn't like the fact that someone had answers and he didn't. And after it was all over, a, 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 a few scientists came up and spoke to me, and another one said the other guy. Mm. I was just basically saying, we should love everybody and feed the poor. And the other would say, well, you know, the Catholic doctrine says this. And by the end, they were saying, I want to ask Krishna the question because, you know, I'm addressing things that, that, that they can understand, even if we have different lines. So you were able to make some good points. You had some good points to... So we actually uh, distributed a book. One, 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 uh, Bhagavad Gita, one, one fellow came up afterwards and said, I want to read that book that you're talking about. And no Bibles were sold. <laughs> Zero Bible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Deny. But it was, it was really clear that that, that we can, Prabhupada has empowered us. Because in one sense, you know, uh, Krishna consciousness is quantum spirituality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they're Newtonian spirituality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can see. <laughs> yeah. And all they do is deal with the, what, you know, religious stuff, what they can see, doctrine. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. So what else? Uh, Dulal, you had a question? Prabhupada uh, more or less mandated for us in the beginning a very, very uh, literal understanding of all the scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, thinking about that in relationship with the class this morning uh, and the great potential there is in, in the... In the you know, so many people aren't taking to Krishna consciousness, but they they still are taking to it in a a religious manner by by making that literal understanding the basis upon which they 
perform their practice. Is there any, what would be your recommendations in trying to get to this, this group that have taken such a, have made it a dogmatic, literal approach to what is a living, to the living Bhagavad? Yeah. Well, that is what, it, what, what, what is Lord Lodgeston involved in moving from a Kanishtadikari orientation to a Madhyamadikari orientation. Now, I'll tell you a short story first that um, is useful, I believe. There was, after the departure of Pujapadshridamarsh from the world, some of his older disciples, they felt um, compelled to take sannyas from Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj. And uh, meanwhile, uh, Pujapatrita Maharaj's successor for his moth, Chaitanya Saraswath moth and his branches, Sripad Govinda Maharaj, um, was, you know, kind of struggling to to establish himself, and uh, you know, it was a it was a difficult time with the passing of the Acharya. So, so, so these people leaving and having faith in Puri Maharaj was somewhat problematic for the moth. I wasn't involved at that time. Sri Maharaj had told me to go and start my own mission years before that. Although I would visit the moth, and um, and so there became somewhat of a of a, a rift between Puri Maharaj's disciples and Chaitanya Saraswati moth, and um, Puri Maharaj was still uh, amongst us, and so at, at one point in the um, struggle, the some of the disciples of um, or some of the members. I don't know if they were Govinda Maharaj's disciples or Sridhar Maharaj's disciples, but members of Chaitanya Saraswath Math um, said, well, Guru Maharaj, Sridhar Maharaj, has said that Puri Maharaj is a Kanishtadikari. Hmm. Because at one time, um, we had been discussing with, uh, with, with, with Guru Maharaj, with Pujapat Sridhar Maharaj, and, um, and he spoke about Prabhupada, he said, he, he, in, a, in a kind of a general way, he said, Swami Maharaj, he is Paramhamsa, because he is doing this kind of work. Hmm? Madhav Maharaj is Madhyama, because he is doing this kind of work. Puri Maharaj Kanishta, because he's doing this kind of work. And the work that Puri Maharaj was doing was establishing deities everywhere. He was the person who would come whenever there was a deity installation for, for Gaudiamath, he would um, be the principal priest and so forth. It's not really as he wasn't really saying Puri Maharaj is a Kanishtadikari, but he was giving an example of what these people were known for that characterizes um Kanishta Madhyam Uttam. So so they misused this statement in a political sense and said, anyway, why we should listen to Puri Maharaj? Why should anybody go there? Guru Maharaj has said he's a Kanishtadikari. Oh, then that went into the ears of Puri Maharaj's followers, and so they came to Puri Maharaj and said, they, they said that, that Sridhar Maharaj has called you a Kanishtadikari. Hmm. He said, Sridhar Maharaj has said? He has given me some adhikar for bhakti? And then he's holding his hand like this and trembling. And, uh, I, that, I, that if it's someone like Sridhar Maharaj has given me uh, adhikar in, in bhakti, then uh, my position is so fortunate. Hmm? And then when I heard that story, I said, you see? He's Uttamadikari. <laughs> <laughs> so, point here I'm making 
is that Ganeshtadikari is not a small thing, and you have to start somewhere, right? Hmm? And then for that matter, of course, there's a famous article written in um, in the uh, maybe the Gaudiya, which was the daily magazine of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, after the departure of Saraswati Thakur, wherein it was uh, it was described there that there is the Kanishta Kanishta, the Madhyam Kanishta, the Uttam Kanishta, the Kanishta Madhyam, the Madhyam Madhyam, the Uttam Madhyam, the Kanishta Uttam, the Uttam, the Madhyam Uttam, the Uttam Uttam, and so, you know, we can make these divisions. They are just trying to give us a handle, and but there's a lot of gray area and so forth. Anyway, long and short of the first point I want to raise here, I am raising, is that that to have some standing in bhakti as a kanishtadikari, this is this is not to be dismissed. This is substantial. Hmm? So if I was to say that Prabhupada made so many kanishtadikaris, hmm, we would say he made them out of what? <laughs> they had no adikar, hmm? and he made them adikaris. He gave them adikar for bhakti, and for someone. To, who's very preoccupied, let's say, with something much higher than that, hmm, to bring himself down and speak in such a way that someone could get a beginning and so forth. This is a great quality. Hmm? It speaks of their of their virtues. Mostly, people like to speak about what they're preoccupied with, hmm? but to come down from that and be preoccupied with what you need to hear to get a start. This is compassion, and so forth. So. I don't mean to, and Prabhupada did that. And, and now if I say that, it's some sort of, well, you know, Prabhupada just created Kanishta Adhikari. So I say, well, what are you saying? What Adhikari are you? <laughs> what are you going to say? I'm an Uttam Adhikari. You know, so, you know, it's a pretty valid point, and you've got to start somewhere. But you can't, you don't want to stay there either, hmm? right? And that's that harmonizing the, the Komal Shrad of the tender faith with the head and understanding the real argument of scripture so that faith is 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 you know less blind uh, obviously not completely blind but less blind and not then not blind at all and um and so that's what you're talking about helping devotees from that kind of orientation to move into a more of a madhyam orientation if i understand your question correctly because Let's take the analogy that Prabhupada used to give. He used to give the analogy that the scriptures are like law books. Now, I've played this out before for some of you, but let me do it again. When we first heard that analogy, the scripture is like the law books, I think that we felt like we have got all the answers here. Just turn to page 108, and there's the answer. And... Prabhupada is translated. He's appeared of Odi. It's perfect. There's the parampara. Well, I mean, we never heard of a parampara. Hmm? He said, we've got a parampara. And so everything has, if it, doesn't, if it comes from a parampara, it's handed down. Everything's perfect. We've got perfect knowledge. Hmm? I mean, we didn't even stop to think that the Catholics have a parampara, you know, in the sense that they, they vote, they have the pubs, you know, come like a GBC with the cardinals and the smoke comes and the next one and and so on. Other lineages, Advaita Vedanta has a parampara, you know. I remember arguing with one guy and said, well, we we, we have a parampara. He said, well, we do too. I thought, okay, well, that argument doesn't work anymore. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah, right, you're the Advaita, you got a parampara, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, so we had a simplistic kind of understanding of that, and you got to start 
um, somewhere. And Prabhupada gave the analogy, so it spoke to us in a certain way, I think, at a certain time. Like, we have the law books. Here's the answers. It's all right here. You know, we go and tell people, you know, we got it's all in this book, you know, right here. It's in the, it's in the Bhagavad Gita. It's in the Bhagavad All the answers. I mean, it doesn't really sound, now that you talk about it, any different than a Christian who we thought was crazy at the airport. The only difference, in one sense, between us and them is we had a broader um, kind of, the, the Gita is much broader. Hmm? It's it's it, the conceptual orientation that it offers is larger, but you can still have a kanishta adhikari orientation to that, that, hmm? and you can you can speak then uh, more eloquently, more meaning with more meaning and in, uh, in, in insight and so on and so forth. But you still may have a kind of fundamentalist orientation to it and not appreciate the, the nuance of the text. Hmm? And that there are different commentaries and, and different ways of, uh, w- all within, let's say, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, analyzing and uh, and so on and so forth. And and that that can be, in the beginning, that could be unsettling. If I tell a child, actually, you see the sun, you know, or I say that you know the sun is the earth. It, it, it looks like the sun is moving across the sky, but actually the earth is orbiting around the sun. Huh, really? Because it, it looks like the sun just going, you know, flying across the sky. But actually the earth is moving except in, in my poor the earth is moving around the, the sun. You know. Um, the earth is moving around the sun. So, okay, that's a lot to digest, right? Now, should I say, and not only that, honey, hmm, but the Earth is moving around itself at, you know, 25,000 miles a second or whatever it is. Uh, you know, what's going to happen is her head's going to start spinning. Hmm? It's a little too much at, at once. So you, you want to, you know, explain it in a basic way, and that th- that's an art. And, and in a way that is compelling to get people to practice the idea being was that by really practicing, they'd get some experience, and they would become, hmm, as uh, well, more capable of digesting the the, the the measure, the extent of the of the of the of the text, and the very idea that you cannot fully adequately explain through language and reason that which. We're talking about because it transcends words, it transcends mind. We didn't think like that. We thought you could completely explain it, hmm? and and there'd be there could be no argument practically. Hmm? But really, the text itself says we're trying to speak about it. Hmm? But but you, you cannot say enough about it. The Mayavadis will say, "Well, what is that verse from the Sutra?" Um, that from which the Upanishads said words go and return, thought goes and returns, can't go there fully. So the Shankar says that therefore it's beyond words. We cannot speak about it. We only speak about what it's not. It's not this, it's not that. Neti, neti. Our Baladev, Vidyabhushan, he says, no, it's not like that. It's that we cannot speak enough about it. We're always speaking about it. Krishna. We cannot speak, we can never fully, ananta, the example is given, ananta with thousands of mouths cannot fully describe one aspect of one pastime 
of Krishna. Hmm? So that kind of thinking is like, whoa, you know, compared to, it's all here in the book, there's the answers, you've got it, and it's, and you don't have to think anymore, and you, and the things you've been thinking aren't worth thinking about anyway, so just, you know, that's useful. But if you take that very analogy that Prabhupada gave us, that these are the law books, so he said there's a standard of knowledge, therefore if you want to speak, in, in a spiritual circle, then you have to know the standard of knowledge, and you have to cite it, to support your point, I'm shocked that making this very point today in some places meets with resistance amongst Prabhupada's disciples. Hmm? I've experienced that. Dulal, have you experienced that? <laughs> that's why you're. That's why you're right asking this question. Are you saying hmm? that by your statement that supporting yeah. an argument by Shastra, Shastra yeah, some you find resistance? Yeah, there. lots of it. Hmm? Yeah, so it's become for many a sentiment. Hmm? That's what religious fanaticism is in Prabhupada's own language, quoting Tagore. Religion without philosophy is religious uh, fanaticism, and philosophy without religion that is mental speculation. Hmm? So, and he, he, you know, he's a person who's stressed. I've written sixty books and so on and so forth, and yeah, Um, and this is what we do. I mean, this is how we determine. The rights and the wrongs by citing the scripture, and we can see there may be two rights. That's interesting. There may be three rights and different angles of vision. But there are wrongs too, and so we have a standard of knowledge. This is what the prophet meant by the by the sacred texts, right? Our our principal pramanam is is revelation. So, at first, the analogy is very kind of solidifying, gives you comfort, like, okay, we got the answers, we're okay here, you know, we've got a standard of knowledge we can go to, we can find real answers to all the pressing questions. But if you play the analogy out, then you find, yes, just like the law books, there are law books. So there, the point is, there's a law. We don't just go before the judge and say, Your Honor, I think, and I really feel from the bottom of my heart, hmm, and I'm sincere about it, he's not guilty. The judge is going to say, uh, okay, uh, next, uh, what, is there any argument for his being guilty? And the other guy says, well, according to the law, at such and such date, in such and such place, so-and-so versus so-and-so, it says this. And according to the law over here, it was said this. And according to the law over here, it was said this. And therefore, given this situation, I say he's guilty. Who's going to win the case? Hmm? Obviously, the person knows the law. Hmm? You don't just go, I think, I feel, and I really wish it was like this. Hmm? And that's what Prabhupada was trying to, you know, say with his uh, analogy, in a sense. But now, if you if you look at that, then you see, oh, the law said this in this instance, and the law said this about that in this instance, when that was slightly nuanced. Hmm? It was still a murder, but but it wasn't um, premeditated. Hmm? Oh, it was a it was a. It was, or it was, it was still. You caused harm, but you didn't have intention, and so forth. And so, so the law is what being written at the same time. Those books that are the law books. hmm? If you understand the analogy and you play it out fully, it's ongoing. Revelation is ongoing. Revelation is is the answer from the absolute to the question that human life is. Why? The existential crisis that the human life consists of. It's an existential crisis because for the first time, 
hmm, in your history, which has no beginning, hmm, in human form, you're starting to feel what you that what you are, and 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 you're self-aware. I exist. We don't see that in less complex forms of life. We see perception of pain, pleasure, and so forth. And, and the higher, more complex the form of life, some maybe sense of identity. We posit identities like everybody, every tree or animal thinks, you know, they do to some extent. But in human life, it's really coming to the fore. I exist. I am. And it's a huge problem. Hmm? You know, why am I? And so forth. So revelation is the answer to this. There's a question. Human life constitutes. Revelation is the answer to it. Hmm? And it's so revelation it means it's a discussion. Hmm? So it's it's on it's ongoing and 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 the and if you take the a lotus and you put sun on it it opens and open 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 so much you can find in there so the very same analogy that at one point in a devotee's life will be very securing and and very you know, all the answers are there turns into the, this black and white understanding literal understanding turns into if you play the analogy out into oh there are many shades of gray. And such is the nature of love. It's uncertain. It's certainty. It's uncertainty within certainty. Hmm? In love, you're certain, but there's lots of uncertainty in there. Therefore, she says, "You never say you love me." You know. So, so, and it's okay, because, and as I said the other night, we're, we're to some extent we're theistic. Agnostics, we we accept that there's unknowing. Hmm? He who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. He who says he does not know Brahman, he knows Brahman. I've given the story about the Bhagavatam. Should I tell it again? Man wanted his son to get an education. He sent him to Banaras, center of learning. Hmm? Son studied, came back to Vrindavan. Father said, what have you learned? I studied this book, this book, this book, and now I have a very good education. Father said, okay, did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, that, I don't think that was on the, uh, in the curriculum. He said, oh, then you have not gotten an education. Go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam. So he went to the Banaris, he studied Bhagavatam. He came back. Father said, so have you studied Srimad Bhagavatam? He says, yes, now I understand. In spite of all the other books that I studied, without studying the Bhagavatam, I did not have an education. So he said, now you have, so now you have studied Bhagavatam and now you've understood Bhagavatam. He says, yes. He said, go back to Benares and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. So he said, well, okay. So he went back, he studied it a second time. He came back, Father said, so have you studied this Bhagavatam a second time? He said, yes, now I know why you sent me back. I thought I had understood Bhagavatam at the first study, but, but now I realize I didn't understand it at all. Father said, oh, very good. So now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam after the second time. He said, yes, now I've understood. He said, Go back to Benares and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. So again, he went back and thought, well, okay, I followed my father's order. He studied Srimad Bhagavatam a third time. He returned to Vrindavan. Father said, have you studied Srimad Bhagavatam? Yes. Have you understood Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Father said, you have understood Srimad Bhagavatam. Now you are an educated person. Hmm? It, is, it is such. Such is the subject matter. And that's okay. Krishna's trying to understand himself. This is our God, right? Hmm? Uh, what is it about me that makes Radha, you know, tick uh, and so forth? And Radha and Krishna are one, so he's trying to understand himself from different vantage points and so forth. So, 
to be comfortable in the gray. This is what you're asking. How to make people comfortable in the gray and bring them from the black and the white. Hmm? Because in the black and the white, it feels like we've got something. We know that we're going to hang on to this. You know, we know this is right. This works. At least it worked before. So we'll keep trying it. You know, whatever. So, so then there's, but this is the nature of spiritual life, you see. When we joined, as black and white as the presentation may have been, it was still pretty gray. Hmm? Because we were in the black and white of material life. You have things and you, and so you have something tangible. Now you have to leave them, friends and family, as it may be, because they're not interested, and you have to join and leave things behind, and it's risky and so forth. But you found there was solid ground there to stand on. So the line will be drawn, and we'll have to make progress, and we'll always there'll always be some leap, some. But how to do that? How to help people with the leap? You have to talk about it along these lines. You just you'd be patient if that's your field of interest, and it can be very frustrating. Hmm. obviously um, but you know preacher has to have a lot of patience hmm. and you, uh, you 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 get some feeling for it try it get frustrated stop go back to it try again hmm. set a good example hmm. um, is is uh, of paramount importance and that will be most um, uh, compelling I believe I mean you know the very idea of a plurality of gurus is, is disturbing to some people hmm. They don't realize that's what we got initiated into, a whole parampara and so forth. So uh, uh, how to do that, how to, help, how to help people come from kind of the black and white, and, and it's, it's very problematic, and your sense of urgency for it is, 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 is laudable because the problem is that when we have a Kanishtadik Ari orientation, that's not a problem, but when the Madhyamadik Ari orientation, so to speak, we're confronted with, it means it's time to move on here. Hmm? And if you hesitate from moving on there, as disconcerting as that appears at first, hmm, then you you go against your own progress, and then you start to reason as to why you should not go in that direction, and that can turn to being, making offenses, and so on and so forth. So it becomes more complicated. So when you have a class of people that have, may have done that, and it's more difficult uh, to to bring them from the black and white, if you will, uh, to the many shades of of gray. Um, they've kind of they've they've muddied the waters, so to speak. You know, they 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 they've made offended, gone against bhakti. Hmm? So, and that's what happens. Of course, you, you know, you get good association, so you get inspiration and so forth, and, and in a, in a moment, and then you go home, and then this is Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? Arjuna has all this reasoning in the first chapter that comes. It's a, it's basically a rationalization as to why he should not fight, and it's, it's compelling. His rationalization it makes a lot of sense and, uh, from many perspectives. What will happen to the families? Hmm? What about the women? Jeez, hmm? what a righteous guy, you know. And a lot of people just hear Arjuna speaking in the first chapter and go, "He's right, you know. They shouldn't be fighting here. And a lot of good reasons." And Krishna just completely just dismisses it entirely. He says, hmm, you think that you, what is the verse? You, you, you speak like a pundit? You think you're a pundit, but you're, you're a fool, actually, what you're saying. Hmm? And, you know, 
beginning of Vedanta, so forth. So, so that rationalization comes, and then you fortify your your neophyte position, and the next thing you know, you're saying things like, you know, hey, let's just let's be friends here, okay? Stop quoting the shastra and trying to make a point as if you know more than somebody else, and. And then you say, well, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. Prabhupada told us, you give a class, you make a point, you've got to quote the Shastra, there's, there, there's a right way to understand, there's a wrong way. Well, we don't want to, we just want to be friends, you know. Let's just hug, okay? And there's been enough problems that if, you know, well, that's really not what we were about. Uh, unity, Puja Pachita Marsh put it like this, unity for what? Hmm. Is unity unto itself value? Unified for what? Nazi Germany was unified too. Is that good? So unity for what? That is important. That should not be lost sight of. So it's laudable to be to be concerned for such, but it's it's a difficult task, and uh, and it takes uh, it's it's a, it's it's, a, it's requires very thoughtful, uh, insightful uh, preaching, and patience. And Shudamarsh asked me personally asked me. I'm not the only one, but he asked uh, that do relief work. Prabhupada asked me to do outreach to you know new people, and Sridhar Marsh asked me to do relief work. So I do a little of both. Hmm? But there's a lot of relief work, uh, and there's not always a lot of relief in doing it. <laughs> it can be, can be can be troublesome, but uh, but it is it is important, and all these people who've been touched by Gaudiya Vaishnavism are very, very important people. And it's, it's, it's very, uh, it's a crying kind of shame, if you will, to, to um, think about them drifting from this. Uh, and I, I witnessed personally Sridhar Maharaj when he asked me, I'd come uh, during the Kartik and one year, and he, he said, so, Tripramarish, any news from the West? Because these days there was news between Iskon and Chaitanya Saraswatmant, and people were, had been, you know, it was a, it was a, the issue kind of of the day. And then the problems of Iskon were, 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 you know, part of that, the leadership and so forth. So he asked me any news, and I knew he had heard something, and he was seeking confirmation from me. And what had happened is that almost like within the same month, Ramaswar, Bhagawan, and Babananda had left their their service, and so I gave him the good news that another Maharaj had had come under his shelter. Hmm? That was Panchadavida Maharaj. Some of you may know him. He later became known as Janardhan Maharaj, and um, and um, and so you know he said anything else. <laughs> And I didn't want to be the bearer of the news. I didn't, I, I knew he knew. I, I could kind of tell. Then he said, finally, he says, I heard, is it true, that this one, this one, and this one have lost their shraddha? Hmm. Uh, this is on a video, I think. You can see it on a video. It was videoed. And and then he, uh, I said, I still try to play it. Now. I don't know if they've lost their shraddha, but yet they left their service. And then he began to cry. Hmm. It's so they've come so close to the Swami Marsh has touched out, reached out to them, touched them, and they some. I cannot bear the thought that they have some come so close to Gaudiya Vaishnavism that they will, they will, and they they were dear to Swami Marsh, Prabhupada, and they have gone away. I cannot, I cannot bear that. And then he went on saying, and and what he's done, the whole whole of uh, all Gaudias 
are so proud of him, what he has done, uh, Swami Maharaj, for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and for for Hinduism, and he's broadened, and for the and for all of India, hmm? and for the whole world, and he went higher and higher, and it's a it was beautiful uh, appreciation of, 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 of feeling for what what Prabhupada had had had, had done. And the thought of someone coming in touch with that and going was going away was un, unbearable to him. It was very touching, and I knew I'm in the right place here. Wow! And in Los Angeles, they were celebrating. Ramaswaran said, "Finally, we just thrown this guy." You know, yeah, you know, okay. And I can understand that it was a problematic, but the reaction—I witnessed both reactions. It was quite, uh, as I said, I could, as I said, I could understand. I'm in the right place here. Yeah, this is. The feeling, the heart of a Vaishnav, that kind of, you can't find that kind of compassion of a realized person um, every day. So that's the, so. So it's a, it's a, it is a calling, um, and uh, and and we shall try. I think primarily by setting another example, especially if a group um, that's troubled by that has a lot of facilities, then. They they tend not to listen to you unless you have facilities. So, um, in other words, people and, and money, you know, keep you thinking you're all right. People are joining us. We have money. Everything's okay. That's why I say, for example, in relation to ISKCON, where that happens to some extent sometimes, uh, it's uh, liking it, loving it, and leaving it are not mutually exclusive. You 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 may do more for it hmm, to um, step aside and try to set a better example, which is how Prabhupada always talked talk to me. If you have a different opinion, try to set a better example. If people are sincere, then they'll follow you. Hmm. So by example, and um, uh, just by uh, you know talk playing out these kinds of ideas and patiently speaking with them, hmm. I think. Uh, Take, it takes time and, and understanding why the why that the you know in all instances preaching is it's very much required that you understand why people think the way that they do you really have to listen to people you really have to get inside their head in their heart and feel the way they feel and then you're so much more better equipped to speak to them to reply to them to to, to explain to them from um, in their own language, almost. That's why I feel very capable, in one sense, of of speaking to people in this guy. Because I mean, I know, you know, they are my god brothers, god sisters, so and I know the psychology so well, and so forth. So, um, but that, uh, yeah, yeah. So to have real feeling for for them, for their plight, hmm? yeah, that is the best way to help them. Hmm? We really have feeling for their plight and and what what the implications of that erroneous thinking at this point that that, that is that is kind of resisting the progressive um, understanding of the sacred text and so forth what that's doing for Gaudiya Vaishnavism if if you understand that then have feeling for that then answers will will will, will come and you'll be empowered to to uh, to help others so. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. What is the status of the Prashad? Just 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 now coming, see? We ended just in time. <laughs> just wanted a clarification, Mark. Yeah. Uh, 
you were saying people don't want to, uh, you know, argue in the basis of trust, but it's because they're just citing what they, their understanding of profit and certain books they don't accept because profit didn't translate. Isn't that really the issue? They say, we don't care about that book. Prophet said in his books this. And that's really, in this kind, it seems that's really the only thing that's evidence. But, but. Oh, I know that. I know that. But you see, that that's true. And, and, and But in, in answer, outside of that, which is a good answer to that point, I think you have to make the point that you cannot understand the part independent of the whole. Hmm? That's a good argument. And Prabhupada is part of something. He's not the whole. He's not the whole of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. He is a... Okay. He's a member, hmm, a substantial one, of the Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara. And so, you, if you understand the part, I think lost the microphone, but in relation to the whole... Then you can understand it properly. If I take it apart from this microphone and we bring it out and we can figure out something to do with it, but if you connect it to the microphone, suddenly yeah, the microphone works. So that's the problem with that idea because Prabhupada's books are derived from other books. We say, well, well, that may be, but Prabhupada said everything is in his books. Well, then read them. I mean, most people are saying that don't read the books because they couldn't make that such a lame argument. We only have to read Prophet's books because Prophet's books don't teach that. You only have to read his books. Hmm? Or you could only read his books. That's okay. But don't read, there's no point in arguing about other people that cite books that those books are with, are drawn from and so forth. Hmm? Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, it's, a, it's factual. That if you read a purport of Prabhupada to a verse, you can go look, you know, in another commentary, for example, if it's available, and you can see, oh, he's taking this from here, and Jiva Goswami said this, and, and and then he helps you to better understand the point he's making, what he's trying to say, and so forth. That's just just kind of common sense, but yeah. So I would I would say, you know, we don't have to read anybody's books. We only read Prabhupada's books. Then I would revert to, you know, well, let's read them here, let's and bring out the quotes that you know that defeat that idea, so to speak. A misunderstanding of the idea. Mahaprasad ki jai. Sharirabhid jujal jutendriyatekal. Jive pere vishaya sagare. Tarmaje jivayati lovamoy sudurmati. Takede takutina sangsare. Krishna buradoyamoy kurivad jivajai. Saprasadana dilovai. Sayananam rita paurada Krishna gunagau. Let us take this Mahaprasad and understand all these points just by taking Mahaprasad. <laughs> <laughs>